Live from the Business Radio X studio, welcome to Time Well Spent with Julie Hullett, your source for inspiring stories of busy people who have made more time to do what they love. Now, here's your host, Julie Hullett. Welcome, everyone. I am so glad you joined us today. We have a special treat. My guest is Mr. Jeff Tucker. Jeff is a Senior Vice President and Residential Mortgage Lending Officer at Studio Bank. Some of you probably know Studio is a boutique bank that serves Davidson, Williamson, and surrounding counties. Hi, Jeff. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, Julie. Thank you for joining us. Um, You and I met, I was trying to think about that over the weekend, I want to say 2006 or seven, uh, through a realtor, a mutual friend of ours. And since then, you've handled two of my mortgages. Um, and I remember you made it so painless for me. Um, and the fact that you have about 20 initials and certifications after your name <laughs> really gives me a comfort level, especially when I'm dealing with a person in finance. Right. Um. I've referred a lot of friends and clients to you, and they give me great feedback. So um, I just want to jump right in here. Last week, I read that there were 86 banks and 48 credit unions in Nashville, and that's the surrounding area also. And in some of your comments, you've described Studio as the bank for Nashville creators or creatives. Talk about that a little bit and how you think that sets you guys apart. Okay, so um, studio began like many things in Nashville um, with a group of friends and a dream or an idea. And they didn't want to be just another bank. They wanted to be something um, different and it would provide a different experience. So right out of the gate, one of the things people will notice about studio is uh, if you come into one of the branches, it doesn't look like a bank, doesn't feel like a bank. Um, and the idea behind it, um, w- one of our our, our founder, uh, president and CEO is um, very taken with the philosophical or theological concept of creation. And so that kind of um, was the main idea behind a lot of what he tried to put together uh, with this group of people and uh, in a new bank, which was the first de novo bank after the meltdown in 2008 and nine. So um, they started the uh, application process about seven years ago, and we opened a door, the doors about five years ago. Okay. And they, the, the, the idea behind studio as the name of our bank is that a a studio is a place where creators do their thing. And to be a client of studio, you don't have to be a performer or an entertainer or uh, an artist, but that is the idea behind it is we want to provide people the resources, mainly financial to be able to do their thing, whatever that creative thing may be. And, um, so we want to empower creators with resources. And um, along with that, provide a very human experience. Um, you won't call studio and go into a phone tree. You, you talk to a direct person. When you come in, you will talk to your banker 
we want it to be, uh, be a very personable experience. And so they wanted to fuse innovative technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can uh, get a flavor for that by visiting our website. And then um, a, a, a feel of genuine hospitality. And so humans are social creatures. Creating together is more fun. So uh, we try to create common connections among our clients as well as with the bankers. So they have events uh, from time to time where we just bring in clients and let them mingle and get to know each other better. And then um, along with that is the idea of hospitality. We we want to make people feel welcome um, and we want to provide a high level of service. So I would say what make studio uh apart from the aesthetic uh different is it's a very high touch um hospitality oriented um approach to banking mm-hmm. and that goes along with a couple of conversations i've had recently on the podcast with people authors artists about how Nashville is such a good market for creativity. You know, we are we create that all throughout. And that's wonderful to think about banking doing that too, you know. Right. Who is the CEO? I should know that and I don't. Aaron Dorn, one of the most impressive young men I've I've had the pleasure of meeting and certainly the pleasure of working with. Well, that's high praise coming from you. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 Aaron has a remarkable background. And um, there's some articles uh, from when we started uh, in National Business Journal about him. And um, he's just an amazing person. I have to check that out. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, invited to one of your mingling events you described. And I remember my choices were... um, bluegrass and beer and bourbon and blues. And I was like, how am I supposed to decide? (laughs) But And I I did the bluegrass and it was excellent. The music was good. And you could tell that people were just having such a good time. It was so casual, you know, and relaxed. And And, and you were in the Gulch location, correct? I know that one was the new one out in uh, Brentwood. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Both locations to me, um, are, are very similar in the aesthetic, but the one in the Gulch to me kind of captures me because it's so open. There's art everywhere, local national artists, and um, it, 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 it's just really a cool space. So hope to get, I hope you get to enjoy something um, there when they open up the doors and you can see downtown and look over the Gulch. I'll be waiting for your invitation, bud. I, I will send it to you when they <laughs> set something up. Okay. Um, I know that you went to Vanderbilt in Alabama. And right. were your degrees finance and economics? I mean, does somebody just no. wake up one day and go, I'm going to no. be a resident? So I explain it this way. Banking is my second and best career. Okay. So I did go to uh a satellite campus of the University of Alabama, which is now its own uh, university. Uh, I went to the University of Alabama in Huntsville. Okay. And uh, my degree there was in English literature. Thought thought I wanted to teach English in high school, if you can believe that. And wow. um, got over that real quick. 
and decided I wanted to pursue um, another type of uh, teaching. And so I um, took a detour to Louisville and uh, did a degree at a seminary there and then decided I really wanted to teach um, religious studies. And that's how I ended up at Vanderbilt. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so did did graduate school there. And then when I finally got my PhD and had published and done all these things um, and was uh, interviewing for teaching positions while being an adjunct, it became apparent after about three or four years of only getting adjunct offers that that was a, there was a ceiling that I was not going to be able uh, to penetrate. And uh at that time, my daughter was getting ready to start high school, and I told my wife, you know, she's ready to start her education, her higher education, and I need to find something else to do. And she said, I'm glad that light bulb finally went off. <laughs> Go, boy. And so um, I kicked some things around and got into um uh, mortgage lending through an independent non-depository lender. Got great training and decided, yeah, this is good. I want to learn more. And this was back in the late 90s. And I don't remember, I don't know if you remember the dot-com bust. Oh, yes. But it was a bad time for the economy. And biz- lenders were going out of business left and right. And the only thing really left standing were banks. And so I, I decided I needed to get to a bank. And I was very fortunate to be able to start with Union Planners, if you remember that name. I do. I do. And had a great area president and did remarkably well. And I decided then um, that I would forego any more adjunct positions teaching uh, and focus on banking. And that's when I decided to uh, go to a what amounts to a graduate school of mortgage banking Mm-hmm. And get my certification for that because this was my new career. I wanted to be as educated um, in banking, mortgage banking, as I was uh, for religious studies, and that's kind of how it all came together. Gotcha. Well, to me, um, I mean, my point of reference is only you know mortgages I've done and, and what I read and what I hear, but there's predictions and <laughs> projections all the time, especially about. The Nashville market, because I believe, and I've read this, and so I think I have some validation that we're sort of insulated from the rest of the country as far as swings and things like that. For the most part, we're pretty level. Um, But I've read last week, buyers are going to have more buying opportunities. Home prices will appreciate, but a little more slowly, which will balance the market. New builds are going to be the solution for the shortage of sellers. Does is all that true, or is that BS? And you have another view? No, I think I think you described it um, the way that I see it. I think that we're in a period now where there's going to be an equilibrium between buyers and sellers, and there's going to have to be some um, adjustment of expectations on both sides. Uh, sellers can't um, put a very um, um, ambitious price on their home and expect to get it. I don't think unless it's just a unique property in a highly desirable area that there's going to be people coming in offering $50,000, $100,000 over asking. Um, 
So I think that sellers will have to adjust their expectations more toward what's going on in, in the current market. And buyers are, are, are going to have to as well. Um, I, the tendency I'm seeing right now is buyers are thinking this is a buyer's market and they come in and lowball. And that's not conducive to a um, happy and successful transaction. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, we're we're getting into a middle ground area right right now as we speak. I think it's going to heat up as we get into the buying season, which typically starts sometime around March and ends sometime around August. Yeah. Um, I think that you're correct that Nashville has its own um, uh, temperament and that we are blessed to be in this market. I think home values are going to remain stable. I've I've seen headlines about home home values cratering and it, I think that that is an overstatement. I think that it it has leveled off. But I did some research. I went to the Greater uh, Nashville Realtors Association's website and the current median price is $470,000 which is still Seven and a half to eight and a half percent above what it was last year. So there's no cratering there. Right. Um, I've read that the average price per square foot is now $263, which is an increase of 12.4% over last year. So even in the hard times, we are still in a very um, stable and desirable market. I do think that um, the right now the average days on the market is uh, somewhere around fifty-one days, forty-eight to fifty-one days, mm-hmm. which is um, I would say a little bit better than uh, normal. Um, right now, I think that um, they're averaging two to three offers rather than you know having fifteen or twenty like they did last year. Right. But in terms of volume, um, what we experienced the last two years was an anomaly. Uh, Last year, there were 47,000 plus closings. The year before that, in 2020, there were almost 41,000 closings. But if we go back to pre-pandemic, there was around 42,000. Thousand three hundred closings last year. There was thirty nine eight thirty one, and that was in the in the middle of rates going up mm-hmm. and the market cooling down. So I think that we are in a good place, and I I personally think that twenty twenty three is going to be more like twenty nineteen, where you have somewhere around forty two thousand closings in our market. Yeah, and that is a pretty good clip, yeah. and. Um, so I think that we're in a healthy market. I don't think we're in a bubble. I don't think that people ought to worry about, oh, should I buy a home? Prices are going to come down. I don't think so. Okay. Rates going to come down. I know that's your next question. So let's yes. talk about that. <laughs> so, <Mind reader. laughs> yeah. So rates did increase precipitously this year after January. I'm sorry, after January of 2022, they, um, they increased rapidly. And the reason for that is what the Federal Open Market Committee is is doing with their rate trying to tame inflation. Inflation shot up. And with that, 
interest rates on mortgages shot up, not because of what the Fed's doing, but because interest rates, and, and if you look at charts, you, you it's really kind of uncanny. Mortgage rates follow inflation. If inflation goes up, mortgage rates go up. Mm-hmm. If inflation comes down, mortgage rates come down. So what we've seen in the past, I don't know, three months is that rates did tick up and they were touching 7%, which was very ugly and painful for a lot of the younger uh, buyers uh, in the market. I can remember much higher rates than that. Oh, so right. I'm not scared of 7%, but I get it. It's uh, It's a relative thing. So rates shot up to 7% and every, a lot of buyers were like, oh no, I can't do that. That's going to, um, I, I can't afford that. And rates have to come down before I'm going to do anything. So that's why we had a decrease in activity. But what's happened more recently is, is inflation has come down. Rates have ticked down with it. And we're locking rates now on a 30-year fixed around 6%. So that's about a 1% swing over a period of about 8 to 12 weeks. As inflation continues to cool down, I think rates will too. I think that um, in what, based on what I read in 2023, rates should get back down into the fives. I can't promise that. I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm just telling you what I read yeah. and and what I've learned. Well, I I just love it when people scream about 7%. To your earlier point, I bought my first house in 1990. The interest rate was 9.99. And I really thought I was getting a good deal because it was under 10%. Seriously. See, I, that, I, that's almost <laughs> identical to our experience. When we bought our first house, um, It we, we got under 10% and thought that we were so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> We loved our um, house and, and didn't look back. It was great. Yeah, it's funny. It's all, I guess it's all where you are on the road, you know. Um, I want to switch to personal fun stuff. Not that mortgage isn't fun, but um, I know you've got a lovely wife and two adult children and three grandkids between yep. eight and 12, which are fun and busy ages. So what's your favorite thing to do with them when they come to visit? Well, it's when it, we we got, um, they they live outside of Atlanta in a small town that's very much like Franklin in some ways, um, at least in terms of size. Um, they live in Cartersville, and so um, when we go there, I love to get out in the yard and throw the baseball, throw the football, shoot hoops, that kind of thing. And then uh, my granddaughter gets involved in that somewhat, but, she, you know, I, I, when she was younger, you know, it, it was nice to have time for a tea party, yes. or something like that. But now they're um, on the cusp of their teenage years. And so it's fun to watch them play ball. We try to see their baseball games and basketball games, but um, one of the, the really special things is to go see, um, Allie Beth's dance recitals. Uh, <laughs> so we 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 enjoy doing that. And then when when they come up here, they just you know they want to uh, do some Nashville things and like um, they, they maybe go to an arcade or go to a park, um, you know, like Cheekwood or somewhere like that. And um, 
then just kind of hang out. We we tend to be more lenient with screen time than their parents, and so they love that. And okay. so, uh, but you know, just hang out and and enjoy where they are in their development. Yeah, and making memories. I mean, I can yeah. remember tea parties were a big highlight in my childhood. So that's good for you. Um, and I one one other. I guess business question is so what is a typical day like for you? Are you on the computer? Are you making calls? Are you meeting with people? Well, so um in March of 2020, when we went into lockdown, mm-hmm. um we had known for um almost three years that we we had been described internally as a digital bank. And and I knew about the website and I knew about our capabilities. And our uh, online app and everything. But the idea of us being able to leave the bank and still do banking, I was just like very skeptical. But we did not skip a beat. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really been amazing how we've been able to do things. Um, I, I would say right now there's probably about half and half, half people, half of our uh, bankers uh, work uh, in one of the branches. And then half are still work from home. I'm still work from home. So my typical day does no longer involves a one hour commute each way. So um, that frees me up to be able to, you know, start my day uh, with some sort of uh, workout, exercise, rehab, stretching, that kind of thing. So, but then, um, I I typically check the market. Everything I do is really online now. So I check the market, find out what's going on there, check on my files, return phone calls, emails, that kind of thing, and just make sure that that the loans that I'm responsible for are going through the system as efficiently and quickly as possible because I don't like um, delays. I get a little bit antsy and impatient about that because I want my clients to have a um, better experience than what they may have had at other places mm-hmm. or what they feared it might be. So I, I deal with a number of first-time home buyers, and I know it's a stressful thing and that they're anxious and they have a million questions and I try to be there for for that. And so that's typically my day. And I'll confess to answering emails and text messages and even phone calls up till about, you know, nine or 10 PM because they're home from work. They have a question and I want to be able to answer it. Now that doesn't mean that I'm working nonstop, but it means that I'm available and um, accessible. And I remember that about you when I was going through the mortgage process with you. And I will have to say you're, sense of urgency, I'll use that, your impatience yeah. <laughs> was such an asset because I didn't have to worry about it. You took it, you owned it, you made it happen. And all I had to do is show up and sign papers. You know, that's my yeah. kind of deal. Well, I realized uh, I, I'm i fully aware that um, there are banks that advertise during uh, NFL and um, college football <laughs> where they say you can be approved in eight seconds. Mm. cough cough um but um 
it's a very impersonal process from what I gather hearing about it uh, from people who've experienced it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in many ways, what I do they is referred to in our circles, it's a commodity. Yeah, a lot of places do mortgages. I get that. But I try to make it so that they have somebody that they can, you know, a single point of contact who gets it done. Right. And doesn't just pass it off, go to voicemail, never return an email, that kind of thing. And that's the same model for our bank as well. Our commercial clients have a direct point of contact. It's their banker. They have access to cell phone, email, and things get done. So the part of the reason I'm at studio is because I match their um, goals and values. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good fit for you. And I, I think that's why you're so successful. Um, so we've, we've talked about work and we've talked about your family. You're a busy guy. I also know that you're a golfer. And one of the things I was most impressed about was you are not obsessed <laughs> with your handicap or besting other people. You're truly out there to have fun. And that that's a big deal because not many golfers can say that. Right. Well, there's a um, so. There are levels of ability, and mine is near the bottom. I'm. <laughs> I think most people would um, classify me as a hack, and I yeah. own that, and I accept it. <laughs> but I enjoy the game. I enjoy the the the, the skills that are required. I admire um, good golfers, especially the professionals. It's it's amazing what they can do. Um, but I enjoy being out on the course. I enjoy, um, you know, hitting the ball. And I learned a long time ago, it was more enjoyable for me if I just didn't keep score. So I rarely put a number on a scorecard. And uh, that is um, that that frees me up to be able to enjoy um, the occasional good shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I. Um, just enjoy uh, the game and uh, being outdoors and in nature and that kind of thing. And if you had more free time, would you play more golf? Uh, definitely. I um, I need to start carving out a little more time for that. Um, it's so so. I'm not one of these golfers that plays with a cell phone and that is in the cart and I'm on it. If I'm on the course. I'm on the course and the phone is off because um, I can't enjoy trying to be good at work, which is crucial and uh, play golf, which is for pleasure. So it, it I, I don't mix the two. I know a lot of guys can do that. And so they play a lot more than I do. So I, I try to make, I'm, my goal is to make it so that I can get out, you know, once every week or two and uh, be more regular about it. That's a really good, you know, I always ask my guests for a tip for listeners about time because it's, you know, what my business is, is giving people their time back. And you really um, honed in there on that, keeping those two things separate. I think 
we are all so guilty of thinking we can multitask. And one of my goals this year was try to be a single tasker because I can't multitask. I think I can, but I'm not that I'm, good at it. I'm I'm not that good at it either. So if um, like it, sometimes if we're traveling and I've got people who are trying to get a transaction done or get a, a loan closed or, or, you know, whatever, I, I'm not going to talk to them for very long driving down the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, I will pull over, I'll pull out my laptop, do whatever needs to be done, and then I'm at work. And then when I get finished being at work for that moment, then we'll get back on the road. My wife accepts that. She, Allison, is, she, I'll just say this, she likes me working. So she's not going to interfere interfere with um, that approach because she knows I can't do both. She's a saint. Um, (laughs) Tell her I said that. In many ways, yes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your perspective on the market and what's going on right now. And, (laughs) you know, more questions obviously are going to come up. So, um, let's move on here uh, to a little word association. You just okay. answered the question. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Aisle or window? Window. Beach or mountains? Beach. Okay. So we have a little profile on you there. Now I'm going to ask you a question. And it, it's going to sound a little dark, but bear with me. Um, if we were writing your eulogy... What are two things you would want people to remember about you, your personality, your, you know, characteristics? Hmm. (laughs) Um, Are you crying? No. um, (laughs) I'm trying trying to think. Um, I would say faithful and that uh, I would want them to think that on several different levels. Mm-hmm. Um and um honest. Excellent. Well, I would definitely say you have those two things in the bag, sir. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Now, if people want to connect with you or with Studio, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can go to studiobank.com. That's always the best way um, to get it, um, information about the bank. Um, there is a menu where you can dial up a particular banker. Mm-hmm. Um, they can um, contact me through that, or they can um, email me at jeff.tucker at studiobank.com. Uh, my cell phone uh, is available. Um, and if we get introduced, I'm happy to give that out. Um, but I would say the website or email. Okay, great. Thank you again. And uh, I have witnesses, so I'll be waiting on my invitation to the next studio event. Okay. I am going to make sure you get that. (laughs) Okay. Thanks again. And thank you all for listening. If you have questions about the podcast, please connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I answer all messages. Thanks again. And we will see you soon. And now here is a time well-spent tip. If you're feeling overwhelmed by work, consider clearing through some of your digital clutter. Here are a few tips to get started. Tidy your desktop by filing away or deleting items that have accumulated there. Once you declutter your desktop, you declutter your mind. 
Open all the promotional emails you received today and unsubscribe to any that you're no longer interested in. Take a look at the apps on your phone and delete the ones you no longer use. You'll gain a sense of clarity and some additional phone storage. Thanks for tuning in to Time Well Spent with Julie Hullett. This show is brought to you by Julie Hullett Concierge, LLC, a personal concierge service in Nashville, Tennessee. Learn more at juliehullett.com.